Everybody, I'm Peter, and I just can't shake the feeling we have a mole within our ranks. He's acting awfully suspicious. It's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode-by-episode deep dive into the Star Wars animated series Rebels. Yeah, I'm super, super stoked. This one is fun. I am ready to dive deep. I'm ready to get into it, just like Callus is getting into the mess. How are you feeling about this one, Mike? I am fine. <laughs> I was trying to see if maybe I redirect you and just talking about how you feel about the episode. I can get a little more, but you know what? You got your thing. Yep. I'm a creature of habit. You know what? I also, I was, we always forget to do this up top, but I think it's a good idea. Thank you all for tuning in to Rebels Rebels. If you can leave us a review Mm -hmm. or tell your friends, especially now that Rebels is on Disney Plus, it helps us so much and we love meeting new people. So please just send us a review, do a little shout out. It really helps the pod. Other than that, I'm ready to jump into this. How are you feeling, Mike? Ready to jump in? Let's do it. Sweet. Let's mix up a quick space refresher and recap what happened in episode 15 of season 3 through Imperial Eyes. An Imperial light cruiser over Lothal intercepts a shuttle fleeing the planet on board our Ezra Bridger, disguised as a bounty hunter, chopper, and AP-5. Ezra tells Callus that the rebels believe the Empire has intercepted his last transmission as Fulcrum, and they have come to help him defect if his cover is blown. Grand Admiral Thrawn then arrives and informs the officers on board that he has asked Colonel Yularen of the ISB to locate the rebel spy in their midst. Callus swaps his code cylinder for Lieutenant Lists and uses it to free Ezra and infiltrate Thrawn's office, where the droids erase Atalon from Thrawn's database and transmit clearance codes for Kanan and Rex. List then, believing Governor Price to be the traitor with the help of um, Callus, stuns her as she tries to stop the rebels from le- leaving, and he is arrested as a spy. With List believed to be Fulcrum, Callus decides to remain with the Empire, thinks he's mm. safe. Although in conversations with Yularen, it is clear that Thrawn knows Callus is indeed the spy Fulcrum and intends to use it to his advantage. All right, so it's a pretty straightforward episode. It's a good one, but it's pretty straightforward. And so the theme of this episode is bait and switch. So not the most literary of themes we've had, but this episode is something of a chess game. Moves upon moves and traps within traps. It's an odd episode that aims to reveal one thing. Thrawn knows. Mm. So let's go through a few bait and switches as, 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 as 
<laughs> Thrawn deliberately lets, or so it seems, Callus and List hear him give his sentry droids the override codes so that he would know if one of the two of them is up to something if they try to give the override codes to his droid. Later, Thrawn is the one who can't use the override codes on his own droids. Callus uses List's security cylinder, gaslights List with implications on price, and takes out List in the end, a long con with, that was a little too well ironed, as Ularian points out. Another is Ezra's capture turned info grab slash rescue attempt of Callus. Another bait and switch, chopping AP5's ploy to get aboard the Chimera or Thrawn's group interview with the three officers, or Kanan and Rex boarding the ship, and so many more. So much of this episode are just bait and switches. All of these are designed to play not-so-Jedi mind tricks on their intended targets in order to cover the truth of I'm watching you, and you're watching me, and I know you know, I know you know kind of tactics. (laughs) That's why the theme of this episode is bait and switch. Women always know, right, Finn? That's a oh, quote from boy. Star Wars. Women always know. <laughs> Weird that that quote even made it into yeah. 2019 Star Wars. Yeah, women man. always be, women be shopping. <laughs> totally. I didn't think about the fact that Thrawn let the code word for his sentry droid slip. That is really interesting kind of subtext because I think a lot of the episode we're trying to wrestle with what does Thrawn know and how early did he know it? Mm. Like, did he already suspect Callus and this entire thing was basically a honey trap? Or is that a, is that a right word? I don't sure. know. I think it, this is like a trap for Callus to see his true colors. Or is this actually when he finally put the pieces together for the first time? We don't really know. And it can kind of be interpreted either way, mm. which I think yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's hard to know what he knows, which is maybe what makes him good. Also, it's yeah. a little, you know, I think we talked about this last episode, but it's like um, he kind of uses that sloppily to his advantage, in my opinion. <laughs> like he's like, oh, well, this will be good because like he's good at just looking for the positives and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to know what are actually his plans or actually other people's or just plans gone wrong that he turns into his plans yeah which i guess makes which i guess makes a good leader yeah absolutely and plot wise i think it's interesting there's not a ton going on in the in this episode like plot wise that i think we need to hit beat by beat Mm -hmm. um but the style is really cool um like the cat and mouse game going on it gave me a real like mystery thriller vibes it yeah it did um, especially I'm, I'm coming off seeing Knives Out, Ryan Johnson's new movie. And oh, so I'm just cool. like in my head, just like, oh my gosh, what's around the corner? What does everybody know? And sometimes it can be really frustrating for me when people are purposely withholding information like <clears throat> R2-D2 and Force Awakens. Um, See, it's so funny you say all this because I just, I just came off watching episode six of The Mandalorian, which I won't talk about just in case. Okay. I haven't uh, watched it yet, so that's good. Thanks. But there's some there's some mysterious tension there um, mm-hmm. that just ladders into it really nicely. Yeah. To, generally I find withholding information to be a very a sloppy um, plot oh, device, but it is just the plot. I mean, I, I talked about this before in my yeah. deep and one of my themes that I truly, Absolutely. truly believe communication breakdowns and withholding information are all shows have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what makes every show. Yeah. 
and it, it's but i i personally find it more fulfilling when it's kind of in this mystery device um when you're trying to figure out like what's going on how's the bad guy gonna trick the good guy who's who did the crime something like that and so this episode gave me kind of those vibes which i really liked it was kind of a different look um it felt like a real spy caper you know we've had episodes like breaking ranks or mystery of chopper base but i don't think those were ever real mystery stories because we knew the good guys would win and we generally knew how like we knew like Ezra's going to get whatever he was looking for and breaking ranks, and then they're going to just like yeah. come rescue him. This one, I had no idea what was going to happen. Like, Callus could have been executed at the end of this episode, or he could have gone off with the Rebels, or he could have stayed with the Alliance. I had no idea, and I found it personally extremely gripping. Hmm. Interesting. I, yeah. I it was funny. I I upon watching it again, I can't mm-hmm. remember the mindset I was in when I first saw it. But watching this again, I was thinking the entire time how sloppy Callus was being in his over perfection of like, <laughs> um, which I'm really really glad Ularen addresses and they yeah. addressed because who would just use their you know, security codes to walk around willy nilly because they know people can just look <laughs> them up. So I'm yeah. glad they addressed like, and it just seems so sloppy on Callus's yeah. part, to be honest. I mean, to be fair, I think List would be the kind of guy who would do a crime with his own code, code cylinder. But <laughs> your point is extremely taken. To you, Laren's point, though, <laughs> yeah. um, the list is also not smart enough to defect period. <laughs> yeah, that's I think true. that's kind of what he was saying is like, he doesn't seem like the guy is capable of that. Yeah, that's true. Um, one other thing I thought that was interesting is this episode has a lot of, um, callbacks. I think, you know, we see a lot of this we've seen before, like list has been in other episodes. We got big booty Rex and his stormtrooper disguise. Um, there's a lot of stuff, and I'll keep calling it out as we go through. Um, but it felt kind of cool to see this from the Imperial side and see some of our old favorites that were throwaways of it at one point. And now they're coming back in a kind of interesting way. Mm. Um, they talk about it in um, Rebels Recon that they were getting a little bit of pushback where there, people were saying to that point that what's going on with the Imperials? Like we don't have a lot of episodes with within the Imperial ranks and rebels. And this is such a cool time period and such a crucial time period for star Wars that I think there was a clamoring for it. Mm. So that's one of the reasons why they did this episode and they wanted to make it a point to see, show how skilled the upper levels of the Imperials are. Cause we see like a lot of jabronis just like running around and stormtroopers who can't shoot and bumbling like guards and, low-level officers but this episode is really interesting because we see you know thrawn is physically intimidating this is the first time we see him fight and he looks like he's actually a dangerous person not just with his mind um you know we see you and these people who are actually on top of their game um even governor price you know throws down at the end of the episode and takes rex one-on-one um so it it's kind of a nice reminder that the Imperials aren't all just dummies. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of competence, which is nice. Mm, I guess that yeah. is a nice... It's a cha- nice change of pace. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So there are a couple of other interesting things they talked about in Rebels Recon. The opening shot we see through Imperial eyes. I know. That's such a funny... <laughs> right? I I don't know how I feel about it. I'm indifferent, yeah. probably. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad it didn't carry through. Yeah. Yeah, so that was actually the original plan, though. The original plan was that the entire episode was going to be shot in first person, but it was scrapped after being deemed too costly and complicated. Wow, that's funny. I wouldn't think it was. <laughs> I wouldn't think it was that at all. Yeah, well, they, they talk. It's kind know. of funny. This is another point they talk about. There's a lot of things in animation you don't think about being expensive and time consuming, like. Um, you see when Callus wakes up and he looks in the mirror, he's already wearing his armor. Mm. And Dave Filoni was like, yeah, maybe Callus is really prepared. But honestly, it just would have cost too much to put pajamas on him. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and he also he, he makes reference to, I don't know if you remember this Clone Wars episode where Dooku's like, home gets invaded and he has to defend his home. So he like fights a bunch of people in his pajamas all episode. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, those are things you never think about. Like we had to do a whole episode with Dooku and pajamas. Hmm. Because it's like a different model. Yeah. Essentially. Crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Things you don't know, you don't know. Right. Yeah. I'm sure Callus's pajamas would have been nice. And uh, he's probably like a gray sweatpants kind of guy. Like, I can yeah. just tell, like, he's just, like, he's got that hot callus thing going on. Like, John Hamm and his, never mind, I'm not going to go down that. Sure. <laughs> Don't know where it was going, but I was willing to take the ride with you. Yeah, it's just going to be real horny. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, That's great. So, another little Easter egg that I like is we see a lot of code cylinders. This and is the first Have time. you ever heard them called that before this episode? I, I, maybe, I, maybe they've been called that before but that's yeah such a bad name <laughs> i think this is probably the first time i was introduced to it in that form um i know in a certain point of view they talk about code cylinders and make it more specific and in legends they kind of fleshed out what these were and that was something they brought over from legends your code cylinders now see here i'm a lieutenant understood sir your cylinders Thrawn is known for being thorough. It is kind of interesting because it does feel, I think, to your point, like an interesting bit of retconning because the code cylinders are those metal things that like officers in the movies carried in their shirt pockets. Like it, it looks like thick pens yeah. in a pocket protector. Yeah. And I'm sure like George Lucas and his crew were just like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah. Just put those in the pockets. It looks, looks military yeah um but canonically they have been updated to reflect the fact that each cylinder holds information about the officer and signifies a level of access so you might have many code cylinders to access different levels of restricted areas and we learn from a certain point of view like i mentioned that losing one was a bureaucratic nightmare so officers guarded them vigilantly unless you are list evidently e hmm (laughs) <laughs> all right yeah. yeah so i guess like the then i think i i don't remember the, the exact story but i feel like there was something like they were kind of frustrated with the code cylinders like the officers were like yeah it's cool getting promoted but then you got to keep track of another dumb code cylinder and then so i guess like the more powerful you get just the more of these metal things you need to carry around with you and keep track of 
Cool. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to put it in your pocket, but sure. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Well, it's just like, why don't they just have like a key card? Just like if, if there's all these different places you can access, just like put it all in one key card. Yeah. I don't know. But, you need like a different key for every restricted area. Star Wars technology is so funny because yeah, it's both more advanced. It makes sense that it's both mm-hmm. more advanced and less advanced than, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, totally. I was just rewatching um, Force Awakens, and I just love that even this is 30 years after Return of the Jedi, and they're still using like those, you know, 1970s. It looks like a Pong screen on the Atari, those computers for all their. Oh, yeah. They're tracking and I know. Their radar HD is, and things like that. Their HD is still just going to be their HD. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, another kind of cool thing that I liked was, did you notice the patch that the officers and stormtroopers and stuff were wearing on the Chimera when they go to the ship? Yeah, it's kind of uniquely theirs. It, 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 It's a little more embellished than other people's. Yeah, so there's a stylized circle of, it's a stylized picture of a Chimera, which we have brought up a couple times as like a multi-headed beast. Um, and that is Thrawn's official logo. So he's mm, like real into branding. I know. It's so f- weird. Yeah. I don't I don't fully understand how he gets away. I mean, whatever. Yeah, it's really interesting. And from a story-wise, there's probably something there where he gets away with things that other people don't. Like he gets to paint the bottom of his Star Destroyer. His troops get to wear a special fun patch. I have to imagine it took so much time to paint that. <laughs> It must have taken so much time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just like the paperwork of getting like those new, those new uniforms and have the design approved by the Imperial like yeah, security. There had to be a graphic designer for that. Yeah, totally. Um, and so that is a patch that anyone who is under the service of Thrawn has the option to option. wear. Yeah, option. that was that was an interesting. Pablo Dago specifically said the word option. So, so that's like how this meeting is optional and your manager <laughs> really wants you to go to it. Yeah. But maybe that even says something kind of interesting about if it's optional and, but we see so many people have it that shows the loyalty of the troops to Thrawn that they're really proud to be part of this special fleet. Um, oh, I wouldn't say, I think, I think it's just like, again, manager pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thrawn's just like he this that's how he has all of his meetings is he calls people in and he's dramatically fighting his droids and he's just like Rook uh, 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 and then he like turns around and goes, So I see you don't have your patch. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's just peer pressure, man. Yeah. I can see that. He does seem kind of vain. More callbacks, like I mentioned before. We see three sector command officers, which is a new term that we are just being introduced to. It means they command a sector. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and they are being escorted by guards away from Thrawn's office. I couldn't tell. Wait, like, wait, is sector in space? Yeah. That's crazy. So those are pretty high ups. Those yep. are like basically governors. Well, Governor Price is like a governor. Yeah. I don't know what those would be com- comparable to. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because I don't know if each one commands one sector or they're like the leadership of the specific Lothal sector. But yes, they are definitely high up. Um, and we have seen all of them before. Uh, oh. Interestingly, hmm. I don't 
I couldn't tell. It looked to me just with their body language, but you can't really see their hands that it looked like they were bound. Um, which I don't know if they're being escorted away what? in cuffs, but that might have just been in my head. I think that was in your head. Okay. Okay, cool. But we see Brom Titus, who is the Joker who was in command of the interdictor ship when Ezra disabled oh, yeah. it. That's the worst name. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and then he got demoted to commanding that like Y Wing ship scrapping yard in the season two premiere. That's right. Yeah. And so now he's a, a sector leader. Yeah. I, I, that, I guess I feel like he, that actually maybe goes to the point of it maybe is a committee because I can't see that guy being a leader of anything. Yeah. Wouldn't, you wouldn't want him to be. No. Um, we see the female officer is named Brunson. Who, Brunson? Yep. She was the officer who Great. responded to the alarm when the crew tripped that silent alarm in Ghosts of Geonosis on the like mm. Death Star construction docks. Yeah. And then we see Slavin, who, again, evidently they don't have first names in the core. And he is the officer who was stationed on Hera's home during the occupation of Ryloth and Hera's yeah. heroes when they took her calicory. Yeah. Yep. Nutty. Yep. Um, and then you mentioned the DT series defense droids, those Battlestar Galactica droids we have seen before, and Thrawn is training against them. Yeah. Override quote. Rock. He is ready for us. Um, the interesting tidbit in this, and I'm sure many people saw it, is that the code word to power them down is Ruch, um, which I'm bad at saying that name, so I'll say it a hundred different ways, a hundred different times. Um, that is a thing that at the time, you know, it tingled a lot of nerd spidey senses um, when it was first introduced because Ruch is Thrawn's bodyguard and his main enforcer, kind of like uh, the Vader to Thrawn from the original Thrawn Legends novels. Um, oh, okay. He was a big character in those books. He eventually led to the death of Thrawn in those books. Sure. Um, and many people found it notable that the famous assassin had not appeared in Rebels since he was by Thrawn's side in all of the books and he was kind of a fan favorite character. Mm. So he's introduced officially in season four, but we will get to that. This was a nod to his inclusion in the canon and people didn't know whether it was just an Easter egg, just kind of throwing like a bone to the fans who knew or if that indicated we would meet him down the line. So we will get to that. But it was a cool little Easter egg at the time. You mean we'll get to that this episode? Like, you're going to talk more about it? I mean, what else, I don't know what else to talk about with Ruch. Oh, I don't know. You said you were going to get to that. And I'm like, what? what's left to talk about? No, in season four, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Wait, yeah. we will? Yeah, he, he shows up in season four. What? Yeah, he's that, like, um, he's voiced by Warwick Davis. And he's that, like toward the end of the series in the last couple episodes like that uh wow guy who jumps around and fights zeb oh oh that guy's name is ruck yeah his name's ruck oh flip yeah so cool yeah yeah all right didn't know i mean i now i know (laughs) now you know interesting okay cool um and you know i love office talk maybe that's gonna replace poster talk office no they'll never replace poster talk 
No, nothing will ever replace poster talk. Um, but we see more artifacts from Thrawn's office, including Tons. a couple new ones. We yeah, there's a buttload, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there were any that you saw that you were super into. Um, no, I just like that he steals Sabine's drawings. <laughs> yeah. That one's that is just weird. Creepy. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Um, and we see the Calicory, which was a was a main plot point when he took that from Hera back in the day. Yeesh. We also see an old ornate lightsaber. It is not confirmed whose lightsaber it is, but the but it the, is Luke Skywalker's. It is Luke's. This is how Moss Kanata got this lightsaber. <laughs> uh, before wait, the timeline doesn't work out, but I'm sticking to it. Um, we also saw panpipes, which I don't know the significance of it. Maybe he's just like a excellent flutist, flautist, flautist. <laughs> um, and so the interesting things there, there, those are the kind of the whatevers. There's three more interesting ones. So another name I'm going to butcher, but we see behind him there are two statues of Yasamillery. Sure. Yasamiri. Yeah. I'll just go um, with that. They do. You, are you familiar with what those are? Absolutely. Not. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're they're kind of interesting. They are also from the original Thrawn novels, and they were a major plot point. They mm. are lizards that live on a planet of blind, force sensitive predators. So these lizards, to avoid being eaten by these force sensitive predators, evolved to be able to neutralize the force for any being near them. So Thrawn had a bunch of those lizards in a tree, and he used them to, like, take away Luke's force powers in the books. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. I kind I, of expected that to be your reaction. I, it's so interesting. I'll, we, we, we're not talking much about Mandalorian, which, yeah. again, is intentional because it's just, like, a whole nother... Totally. You know, it's, I, I want, I really, really want to, but mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're concentrating on this and we're very intentionally just being like, you know, we, sh- let's, let's finish the intended mission of our podcast. Totally. Um, but I will say, and I think I've said this with rebels, mm-hmm. um, I mean, with Mandalorian launching, it's brought so much ambivalence, um, to me. Um, in terms of Star Wars EU, because I found the thing I was looking for. Mm. I it's so good to, to me that it like wipes out my need to read books and comics, and even engage super deeply with shows like Rebels and Clone Wars, which I still like. I yeah. I still really like, but that's now as far as I want to go. I don't want to go further than these like ancillary shows. And I just want to like, I'm like, sweet Mandalorian's it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. I have got a good feeling about the Kenobi show now. And like, um, but it has definitely like, I don't know. So when I hear this goofy, weird stuff about the force, <laughs> I'm just like, great. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I just don't know what to do with that. Totally. Yeah, to me, it's like, it's interesting because, you know, I think we've talked about this before. We we look at this, this, this series and probably a lot of things much differently. You know, you come from a very, you know, literary, scholarly background. Mm-hmm. And I come from like a very, you know. Anthropological. Yeah, that, that might be a good way of putting it. Um, 
And so what I, what I like is I love learning about all the little details of what makes like a culture tick. That actually is a good like anthropologically parallel. Yeah, no, anthropological that is, parallel. It is hundred percent how you think about stuff. As I've noticed, yeah. is you're you're an anthropologist. Well, yeah. I'm very much a. A, 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 an armchair philosopher <laughs> totally <And so laughs> like, like, I, I love that but it's so when i hear the yasimilary statue then that to me goes you know it's more than just like a little easter egg because that can go in my head i go oh, okay so that means that they're probably somewhere in the universe i wonder if they're going to bring that into something and like what the implications are and how that mm. works with the metachlorians and like how did they evolve and like not necessarily even that they'll show up in another show, but it just expands this world for me in a way that I think is really interesting. Mm. And I can also get that it can be very pedantic for other people too. So, mm. well, but that's probably okay. why we're a good partner partnership. Part, that's why we're a good partner. That's why we're a good partner. <laughs> I got four hours of sleep last night. So yeah, you, know you did. I I talk good sometimes. I'm surprised how well you're doing. Um, oh, I appreciate it. Thanks. Because you. Yeah, you 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 had a goofy night. Yeah, I was out partying like a cool guy. You are cool. That is cool. <laughs> I, I'm I'm the opposite. Um, yeah, I have a baby. I have a baby Yoda now. Oh yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, baby Yoda's cute. Yeah. God, sorry. <laughs> I just think about you, baby Yoda. I'm just like, what the hell? Oh my gosh. It's a two other quick little fun things. So I think we've mentioned this already, but we see the Holy Grail. This is the most clear we can see the Holy Grail from the Last Crusade, Indiana Jones, and the Last Crusade in Thrawn's office. Yeah. So this is the second Indiana Jones Easter egg in Rebels that we have seen this season. Just LOL. Yeah. And then we got some Ralph McQuarrie talk. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. So this one's kind of actually interesting, though. They put a painting in Thrawn's office of the concept art that Ralph McQuarrie painted that eventually became Lothal. So that was that was a big, like, that was a lot of words. But Ralph McQuarrie, back in the day, painted this painting that had, like, these weird mountains in them. And it was mm. going to be used for something. They never used it for the original Star Wars. And that is what inspired the landscape of Lothal. And so they literally mm. put that painting in Thrawn's office. Okay. So they've gone from just like, they're that. not even referencing him anymore. They're just putting his paintings in the show now. I mean, it's the place <laughs> to do it. Yeah. I, it's I'm just like. a fun touch, actually. I like it. it okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't care because it doesn't affect me. Yeah. It doesn't intrude into my life um, uh-huh. and pull me out of the show. Basically, that's my threshold for: yeah. is it good? Is does it pull me out of the show, or does it? Or can I talk about it after like this and be like, "Oh, that's that's neat. Mm-hmm. That's my new thing. Um, that's my new thing." <laughs> um, and um, like episode six of Mandalorian has a thing that pulls me out of the show and upsets me. Uh, um, okay, is all I'll say. Interesting. I'm gonna I, watch tonight, so yeah, I, I gotta yeah. keep an eye out. But this doesn't. This okay, is like, cool. it keeps me. Cool. Yeah. It keeps me in the show. It makes sense for Thrawn's character, too. Like, regardless yeah. of if it was a Ralph and Corey painting or not, he would probably collect some art about Lothal because it's his special place strategically and special. tactically for him. It's his special place. <laughs> it is his special place. That's my special place. 
So moving on, I want to talk a little bit about you, Lauren. Colonel Yularen. I don't know if you remember me from the Academy. Of course. Young Agent Callus. I keep tabs on all my star pupils. What brings you to Lothal? We're in need of his expertise. There's a rebel spy in our midst. Codenim Falkram. And perhaps today we're going to learn their true identity. Do you know what Liu Lauren's first name is? Chekhov? <laughs> no. Chekhov, Liu Lauren. His name? Check out. Check out Liu Lauren. Check out <laughs> I like that. Um, his first name is Wolf. Wolf oh, my Yularen. God. You want to guess know, how it's spelled, though? You know. Oh, God. It's like W-O-L-F-E. <laughs> no, it's not far off, though. It's W-U-L-L-F. You know that Dave Filoni put that in there because he's such uh, yeah. a he's such a wolf man. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised actually because he did. So his first appearance, well, his first appearance time, like literally, is we see him in A New Hope. He's one of the officers in like the officer party where oh. Vader chokes. Yeah, Lonnie. yeah, 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 yeah. I think did... we've seen him before when we talked about that. No, so, did I make that up? No, I think we saw someone else because this is the first time we've seen him in Rebels. Uh, um, but. He made his reappearance first in Clone Wars. So he was a major character in Clone Wars. No, I thought it was a colonel. <laughs> no, major character. So he was major character. Major, major character. Major character Wolf <laughs> Ularen. That's his full name. And his title. Um, but we see him in Clone Wars. So that very well actually could be that Dave Filoni gave him his first name in Clone Wars because he's like, I like wolves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, he appears quite a bit in the Clone Wars as a younger man, um, being assigned a younger man. to Anakin Skywalker. He was an admiral on Skywalker's flagship Star Destroyer during the Clone Wars. Um, sure. And they had a little bit of a back and forth, little tet on tet. Oh, that's so great. I was about to say that. I'm so glad Ooh. you said that. Ooh, the Force works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Um, after Order 66, Yularen resigned from his station as an admiral and joined the Imperial Security Bureau as a colonel, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. where he became an ally to Thrawn and appeared extensively in the Thrawn novels and comics. And in CSI Miami. <laughs> he does have that look, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dave Filoni indicated that from a character perspective, Yularen felt a bit conflicted about the transition from a republic to an empire. So he transferred from the, an admiral position, which w had more power, but more, was more like in the military conflict side of things, to sure. a role in the ISB, which deals more with information. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And Timothy Zahn has stated he would like to write a novel featuring Yularen as the main character because he is his most favorite background Star Wars character. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. I would read that, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've read the <sighs> Star Wars books suck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish they were good. I, I, Claudia Gray's lost stars yeah. was, is like a, an example of how to do it well. Mm -hmm. And it's just like play with things that are so outside of star Wars and like, almost like it's what I like about the Mandalorian, but yeah, 
I guess a book like that would be cool if he didn't mingle with like Thrawn and all these other major characters. I've I've read I read both of the new Star Wars books that are coming out like uh before we we're recording this week a week before we see mm-hmm. um the rise of skywalker and i read the two books that led up to it um, yeah and they're so bad uh, bummer i, I haven't checked those ones out yet i mean i i think it's good that i'm telling you they're so bad because <laughs> you can only go uphill but they're so yeah. bad yeah there's a couple that i really do like <sighs> obviously we're huge fans of claudia gray yeah, um, and actually her political book with Leia, like the yeah. the one just Blood about lines. like Leia, was good. Was great. She, you know what? She might just be a, an adept enough writer where she does, she makes me like Star Wars books, but God, yep. it's hard to do. Yeah. Um, have you heard, this is been this is giving me hope that, I don't know if, if maybe this doesn't pan out, maybe I'll be a little bit over, more over the books, but have you heard of Project Luminous? Um, no, is it to just burn all the Star Wars books? <laughs> so this is really <laughs> interesting to me. There is, they announced something that it's going to be the first thing that comes out after Rise of Skywalker and it's mm. called Project Luminous. That's the code project. That's the code name for it. Sure. And they, the only things we know is that it has something to do with the force. Oh, and, no, I'm done with the force. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> It has something to do with the Force, and yeah. it is an upcoming project worked on by Kevin Scott, Claudia Gray, Charles Sewell, Danielle Jose Older, and Justina Ireland, which spans both comics and books to tell one cohesive story and will be released in 2020. I don't like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm such a dick. Um, I I'm I don't like that it's spanning books and com- it's like get this part to talk because there was I even didn't like in the comics where it's like okay now go get these comics to finish this story and then these comics to finish that story and I'm like I don't want to buy all this stuff to finish the story like how do yeah. I just get the story in a book? What happened to the good old days, Peter? <laughs> when I could buy a book and just listen and just read that book? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a I'm, I'm a curmudgeon. No, I I get it. That it that is one of the criticisms I would say of the Disney era is, is you got to buy so much stuff to know the cohesive story. And yeah. I mean, I get it. It's a cash cow, and they're making smart business moves. But as the consumer, I am no longer interested. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think this might be one of the things where if this is pulled off, it could be really interesting to me yeah. and be really cool. Oh, it'll be but successful. If it, you know, if it's if it's lame, then maybe I'm kind of out too. But the reason that I think this is really interesting is, and we will get into this with our Rise of Skywalker preview and review, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think Rise of Skywalker is going to do some really interesting things with the Force and what the Force means. And so it is telling to me that, first of all, a book and comic books and some some project that involved five authors all meeting together and planning one master story. Um, there's pictures of them at Skywalker Ranch together, all fleshing out the story together. Um, these five authors doing something about the Force after Rise of Skywalker, and the name of the project is Project Luminous, which is a reference to Yoda saying, "Luminous yeah. beings, are we not this crude matter?" Could dive into some really cool force mysticism stuff. 
um, and change kind of the way from a story perspective we are interpreting the force and it might go off into some really weird stuff because I mm. think if they're going to go off in weird places, they're going to do it in the comics and the books more yeah, so than like the safe. movies, which is safe. And maybe if that works then they'll introduce some of that stuff to the movies. But I think we could be getting some real, and you and I both love the force mysticism stuff. We mm-hmm. could be getting some real funky, funky stuff coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. I yeah. Well, could be interesting. We'll, we'll see. All I can do is wait. Yep. And then speaking of books, um, my only other note is you, Lauren, kind of interesting to me. He seems to be tangentially related to the founding of the first order. Um, uh, yeah, that I is... mean, not it's tangentially because he died on the first Death Star. So, I mean, he yeah. didn't, <laughs> didn't really fall through that much. But did he pop up, though, in the book um, uh, with Leia? I think he did. Wait, in Bloodlines? Yes. No, because that took no. place after he was dead. Okay. Um, it might have, maybe it's something about it. I don't remember. He he did show up in Aftermath, I believe, um, as a reference point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about him in uh, Lost Stars because they're all dismayed about leadership the leadership that died on the death star one and they talk about what a blow it is to lose Ularin. Mm. um but what i'm referencing to is have you ever heard the name gallius rax yeah i've heard it yeah so he's Don't an interesting know. character he I think is i heard it from you <laughs> yeah he's a um kind of secret imperial leader that was handpicked by palpatine and the point his job was to undermine the empire upon palpatine's death so mm. palpatine created this thing called the shadow council with gallius rax and basically was like if i die burn it all down and so gallius rax after palpatine died he leaked information to the rebels and or the new republic and basically staged the battle of jakku for that final conflict and orchestrated the empire basically losing and everyone dying other than a couple hand-picked officers and people he knew he could trust and then he ferried them away to the unknown regions to set mm. up the first order mm. so the reason why this is interesting is throughout his imperial tenure ularin received top secret reports from gallius rax that bypassed all the traditional security reviews and were for his eyes only so something was going on between gallius rax and ularin that involved some shadowy business that the rest of the empire could not know about mm, interesting yeah just a little bit of fleshed out things about that character which i think is actually a pretty cool character yeah he is he's cool Mm -hmm. yeah um so that honestly i mean there's not a ton that happens plot wise in this episode that i think we need to break down or i at least need to break down i don't know if you have any other notes was there anything specifically about the episode that there was there was a couple because we didn't really go beat by beat so um which is fine um the my favorite part is when Ezra is being held. He gets captured mm-hmm. and he is getting off the ship on the Chimera and they tell 
these two stormtroopers to lock him up, and one of the stormtroopers slaps him in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I also really... like his weird, like, pirate accent, too. Yeah. It's, like, um, I want to point out that, once again, third episode in the row, no... Third episode for no Zeb, second episode yeah. for no Hera. That's a good point. Uh, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And yeah, it's it's a cool episode. It's well, it's fine. It's yeah. it does its job. It's a transitional. Yeah. Well, let me ask you your opinion about what I kind of brought up in the beginning. Um, there was a lot of back and forth about when did Thrawn suspect or know that callus was a spy i think it was a few episodes back and it was just like a look that that i think they were trying to infer he knew Mm -hmm. um but i think this one is just about confirm confirming that and i think he lays out all the pieces for callus to play with i think he knows it's not list because list is such a (laughs) dummy yeah and so I think he brings both of them in and basically gives Callus the opportunity to use List. And mm. yeah, I, so I, I think Thrawn had a moment of hesitation when he saw Ezra running from his office and he thought maybe it was List because they do have a similar build. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think pretty quickly, um, once he found out that was Ezra, it all was like, okay, confirmed, confirmed. So I think this is all totally. set up for for him, for sure. Yeah. So I think he knew quite early. Um, yeah. And to your point, I like that they, you know, they they point out many times that, oh, my star pu- pupil. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Callus is so good. Callus is so good. And like, we all know List sucks. Yeah. Um, so I think that lays some cool foreshadowing too to the end where, like, you're, I think you said it's a little too perfect. It was a little bit yeah. too well executed. Yeah. Um, which might be one of Callus's flaws. Um, yeah. And later on, we see him maybe struggle to embrace the ragtag kind of rebellious nature of the rebellion because, yeah. you know, he's so structured, so precise, so good at what he does that it's yeah. not within his character to even yeah. mess up a little bit if it would be for his benefit. Yeah. I think it's the yeah, all. Yeah. I think it's well put. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything awesome. else you want to chat no, about? Man, that's that's uh, that's about this episode. Good yeah. episode. Good tra- needed episode. You know, yep. when we construct the episode, you need you need this one. Um, yeah, I think so. I think you need this one. Um, yeah, I think so. And it's fun. So how we like to end every episode is with a scale on based on our most favorite thing to current least favorite thing in Star Wars. Where would you rank this scale? Um, Peter, you want to give you want to give your rating? Yeah, my favorite thing in Star Wars right now is Ray whooshing the lightsaber, Whoosh. whooshing the lightsaber across Kylo Ren's face in the snow in Beautiful. Force Awakens. Just watched that a couple nights ago, and wow. it still just gave me the chills. Chills. Uh, my least favorite thing right now is C-3PO. Anything C-3PO does mm-hmm. at any time other than in the original trilogy, including wow. his red arm, which I also watched a couple nights ago and rolled my eyes. Mm. Between those two things, this episode is Hot Callus's season four look, which 
again is super horny and it's wow an wow 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 yeah that's great <laughs> i love that yeah well uh, how about you well based on a scale of my least favorite thing being the 1997 re-releases mm -hmm. to my most favorite thing being the final battle between obi-wan and maul which is coming up here. I am going to give this episode, and this might weird you out or be a, a weird rating. A Han saying "I love you," Leia saying, or Leia saying "I love you," Han saying "I know." Um, I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. I I don't love it. Mm -hmm. Um, and but it is something that is defines Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is a definitive moment for Rebels, the the Callus arc. Mm -hmm. But um, the way it's executed, I'm just fine with. Hmm. It, I don't. I, this is, this is a, it's a, I'm giving a really ambivalent <laughs> scale where I use the word "just fine" a lot, which yeah. means I'm, like, eh, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. So, what what letter grade does that? This one is to? just a B, just a okay. solid eighty five percent. All right. Yeah, yeah, I can live with that. You, I, was, I was worried we would be diverging quite a bit, which doesn't happen rarely, but, you know, not too bad. Yeah, yeah, just not too bad, Ron. Yeah. Great, well, uh... Where can the people find us? They can check us out at Rebels Rebels Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. Mm. Um, they can also leave us an iTunes review, which would be super duper appreciated. Yeah, can. Um, we can. Um, you can also email us, which Mike, you know, you love that email inbox at I, Rebels Rebels Pod. I read every word. I read every word you send me. <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise that's, that's all, that's all we got. Um, you want to close this one out? Yeah, I do. Just remember until next time to be brave out there. Don't look back. Don't look back. Bye. Bye.